Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. the same question. So how goes the battle? In our epistle reading in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul reminds us of the nature of the conflict which we face in this world. We are in a mighty spiritual conflict, which involves principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Scripture teaches that there was a great pre-temporal fall of Satan and his demons out of heaven and down to earth. When Satan came into the world, 2 Timothy 2.26 says that he took men captive to do the power of his will. The only way to understand world history is to realize that the devil has a single goal, to thwart God's will and power on the earth. God has his plans and purposes. Satan does all he can to pervert and disrupt those plans. We know that God will triumph in the end. In the meantime, there is a gigantic conflict between God and his followers and Satan and his followers. We cannot make sense of either world history or a man's personal history unless we take into account this conflict. But sadly, today, very few modern people believe in Satan and his demons. The devil has deceived many into believing that he simply doesn't exist. Followers of Jesus Christ who admit that demons are actual beings that fight against us are called naive and simplistic, 
trapped in old-fashioned views and unenlightened. Yet throughout his earthly life, our Lord Jesus continually cast out demons and gave his disciples power to do the same. If our Lord Jesus struggled against Satan and opposed his power, can the Christian's life possibly be anything else? Yet belief in demons is so ridiculed today that even many Christians admit that Satan is simply an old-fashioned myth to explain suffering and evil. The truth, dear friends, is that Satan and his demons are very real. Why is life so difficult? Why is it so hard to be a Christian? Because we forget Ephesians 6.12. We are in the midst of a great battle, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, powers, and world forces of this darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who are these demons? They are real spiritual powers who seek to destroy our faith by subtle distortions of the truth, who seek to destroy our hope by feelings of despair, and seek to destroy our love with perversions of desire. Against such enemies, Paul warns us that ordinary defenses will not suffice. We must take to ourselves the whole armor of God, the armor of the gospel. Let's look at each piece of the armor. Verse 14 says, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, just like the keel of a ship stabilizes the whole vessel. So the loins are the central balancing support muscles of the whole body. It's like Paul saying, develop strong abs, work on your core muscles. The girdle or belt binds and holds together these support muscles. Truthfulness, sincerity, and a good conscience hold the Christian upright. It's easy to say more than what is true. It's easy to act holy or spiritual when we know inside our hearts that this is only a pretense. That's why the sacrament of confession is such a wonderful gift of grace. In confession, we get rid of all pretense. There is no posturing, no pretending, just truthfulness and sincerity. And we walk away from confession clean, free, forgiven. The page of life that we messed up is now gone. God has given us a new white page that we may write on it. So how do we maintain truthfulness and sincerity in our lives? By holding God's truth in our hearts. If we know the truth of Jesus and submit our whole selves to its operation and abide in it, we will become truth-tellers. We will walk in truth, and the truth will set us free. Verse 14 also talks about the breastplate of righteousness. What is this breastplate? It is the whole sum of Christian character and conduct in one glorious word, righteousness. It's a righteousness received from God which must be put on. It is given by Christ to those who believe upon him. This righteousness means trusting and relying totally upon God. 
It is relying upon the work of Christ to open our hearts to walk in all the virtues that were in Jesus and now by the Holy Spirit are planted in us. Jesus warned us that unless our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, we will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. We must help one another walk in the path of Christ's righteousness as we march through enemy territory. Verse 15 contains the third piece of armor, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Instead of the word preparation, which means the process of getting something ready, we could substitute preparedness, which means the state of mind of the man who is ready. The condition of being ready is the knowledge that we are at peace with God. Inward peace comes from knowing that we are forgiven and reconciled with God. The gospel brings peace in the deepest sense of that word, meaning tranquility, rest, and security. And the other thing to realize is that if we are at peace with God, we are fighting with the devil. And if we are at peace with the devil, we are fighting against God. There is no real peace that does not have conflict at the heart of that peace. The only way to preserve the peace of God which passes all understanding is to throw ourselves with all our might into the conflict and fight for Christ. It is only the heart that is quiet and at peace with God that can throw itself into the battle for God. Our motto has to be always ready, always equipped for battle against the enemy. And the only way to be always ready is to stay close to Jesus, keeping our focus on him, holding fast to him, and receiving the peace that comes from union and communion with him. How do we do this? By filling our hearts with Jesus so that his sweetness fills our souls. If we are full of ourselves, there will be no room for Jesus. If we are full of worry about our money and possessions, there will be no room for Jesus. Perhaps there are some listening today who have lost the shoes of peace with God. You are out of fellowship with your Heavenly Father and living in sin. The way is difficult for you. Your feet are scratched and torn and bleeding. You are walking on sharp gravel and it hurts. Turn back to union and communion with the Lord. You will never be happy until you know the love of Christ in your heart. Our thoughts and our intentions must be taken up with Jesus, for as we think of him, we will be in a state of preparedness to do his battle. What happens when we put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace? These shoes are a sturdy shoe, providing a firm foothold. In Habakkuk 3.19, we read, The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds' feet, and makes me walk on my high places. Long's Peak is the tallest mountain in Rocky Mountain National Park, coming in at 14,259 feet. When a mountain climber climbs on slippery rocks or narrow ledges high up on Long's Peak, he needs the right footgear to give him a firm grip. One misstep 
and he falls thousands of feet to death. Nothing helps us stand firm in the Lord and fight against Satan like the peace of the gospel. Verse 16 talks about the shield of faith. There were two kinds of shields that the soldiers in Paul's day used. The one was a small shield carried upon the arm which could be moved around to cover various parts of the body. The other shield was a large rectangular oblong piece of metal behind which a soldier could stand and not be touched by arrows or spears. It's this second kind of shield that Paul is referring to in verse 16, a great wall behind which the soldier may crouch and be safe and secure. This large shield is able to protect against the fiery darts of the evil one. Archaeologists tell us that the Romans used javelins tipped with burning tar or oil-soaked rags that would not only wound the soldier but burn him. This idea of a burning dart can serve as an instructive warning to us. There are certain temptations of the devil that set the soul on fire. They are desires, appetites, passions, lusts that strike our animal natures and set them aflame. Then there are other spiritual temptations. The temptation to conform to distortions and delusions of the truth of the gospel. The temptation to conform and adapt ourselves to this world's standards of right and wrong. The temptation to conform ourselves to the spiritual darkness which rules this present age. Against all these temptations, we are poorly armed unless we plant the shield of faith firmly in front of us, being constantly watchful, alert, and prayerful. Faith is the condition of God's power flowing into me and working in me. God is my faith. God is my shield. God is my wall of defense. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Notice that we are to take up the shield of faith. To take up means a tremendous effort to keep ourselves in the position of dependence. There are a great many hindrances to taking up the shield. We must keep compelling our will and heart to trust. We must keep our minds in touch with Jesus, the object of our faith. We must keep ourselves completely behind the shield and not wander out into the open where we begin to trust our own resources to keep us safe. Verse 17 gives us two final pieces of armor that are entirely God's gifts of grace to the Christian, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation is all the benefits of Christ's saving work for us in his cross and resurrection. 
Christ not only saves us from sin's guilt, power, and penalty, but he fills our souls with all the blessings and graces of the Holy Spirit. For the Christian, salvation is past, present, and future. It is past because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. It is present in our daily deliverance from sin and our ongoing communion with the Lord. It is future because it will one day be completely and eternally realized. The helmet keeps our heads protected in the day of battle. As our minds are guarded by the helmet of salvation, we are defended against all the lower temptations that attack us. Once you know you are saved and safe and kept in God's loving arms, that consciousness keeps your head straight and your thoughts centered on God. Our continual prayer is, Sanctify our bodies, purify our souls, set aright our minds, cleanse our thoughts. For when we live in conscious possession and enjoyment of what God gives us, we experience victory in the battle against Satan and his demons. The important word in verse 17 is take. We are to take the helmet of salvation. Have you done this, dear friend? Have you taken up and put on the helmet of salvation? The beginning of all true life, peace, self-control, hope, joy, and blessedness is to take the salvation freely offered by Christ. Jesus says, Come unto me, and I will give you the rest and peace of the gospel. But Paul is talking to believers in Ephesians chapter 6 who already have faith in Christ and have trusted him for salvation. So his words mean, See that your faith keeps on grasping and feeding upon the great truth of your salvation. Abide in that truth. Hold fast to it. Cling to Christ by continually believing upon him and receiving daily his gift of salvation. Perhaps some of you have been white water rafting when the current is flowing swiftly and you are tossed and turned in your little raft with your oars. What happens if unexpectedly the raft overturns and you are thrown into the current and carried downstream? Your only hope is to grab onto a rock as you are hurtling with the current and hold on for dear life. It's scary. I did it once and thankfully God saved me and I'm here to tell you the story. The helmet of salvation is like that rock that saved me as I was headed toward the falls and certain death. You cling to the rock of Jesus. You hold onto him with all your might. And the amazing, mysterious reality is that if you are a true Christian, it is not you who are holding fast onto Jesus, but God in you, by the Holy Spirit, working in you that keeps your hand clinging tightly to Christ. What a glorious mystery! Christ in us, the hope of glory. But if there is no consciousness of renewed faith, no sense of the transforming and revitalizing power of Jesus living in you, no sense of peace or joy, then you need to question if you have ever experienced God's salvation. 
If you don't have a present salvation, then you can't be sure of a past or future salvation. So come to Jesus right now. Believe upon him. Trust in him for your salvation from sin. Receive the gift of his Holy Spirit and know for certain that he has changed your life from within. The final weapon in the Christian's armor is the sword of the Spirit, or the sword which the Spirit wields. The sword is the only offensive weapon in the list. Now, the sword of the Spirit is not merely the written Word of God contained in a book. It is Bible truth engrafted into our lives, which is able to save the soul. James 1.21 says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted or engrafted, which is able to save your souls. It isn't just the word of God lifeless on a printed page that saves our souls. It is the word of God engrafted by the Holy Spirit into our souls that saves us. The great hymn says, Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me, as thou didst break the loaves beside the sea. Beyond the sacred page I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, O living word. Finally, dear friends, look at the conditions for victory in this great conflict. There are three. One, complete surrender to Christ. Two, persistent training under the control of Christ. And three, determined conflict in the name of Christ. To withstand in the conflict, we must be armed against the devil before he strikes. The main point Paul is making in this passage is that the whole life of the Christian is preparation for battle. It is too late to learn how to do battle when the enemy is already upon you. That's why the Christian life is a constant surrender each day to the presence and power of the Lord Jesus within us. Then we must be constantly training. Why do our armed forces spend almost all their time constantly training? Because when the crisis comes, they must be prepared for battle. What does preparation for spiritual battle look like? Preparation for spiritual battle means learning how to walk with God in everyday life in the path of goodness and truth, so that when the devil strikes, we have resources to fight back. Jeremiah 13.23 gives the principle that a person who is accustomed to do evil can't learn to do good. The reverse is also true. The person who is accustomed to do good will not quickly turn to do evil. The mental and spiritual activity involved in the habitual practice of Christian virtues will go far to make the soul unassailable by evil. Let me close with an important writing by St. Nicodemus entitled Unseen Warfare. He says that there are four dispositions that are indispensable for our warfare against Satan and his demons. Never rely upon yourself in anything. Carry in your heart a perfect and all-daring trust in God alone. Strive without ceasing. Remain constantly in prayer. St. Nicodemus says, 
Our enemy, the devil, rejoices when our soul is in confusion and our heart in agitation. So he uses all his cunning to try and perturb our souls. The first means he uses is to excite self-love, resulting in the withdrawal of God's grace, which creates inner peace. The devil suggests to us that we are not nothing, but we are something special and not without importance. To this idea, he adds the suggestion that we are better than other people, more zealous, more rich in good works. Having succeeded in implanting this opinion, the devil leads a man to judge and despise others, which of course leads to pride. The result is that inner peace is lost. Satan is very cunning. He uses all the means and methods he can to disturb the soul. He introduces into the heart superfluous fears, increases the soul's weakness, and prevents it from delighting as it should in confession, in Holy Communion, and in prayer. The action of the Holy Spirit in us at all times is to lead our souls towards union with God, to kindle in them a sweet love of Him, a blessed confidence and a firm trust in Him. Whatever is opposed to this is the work of the enemy. So, dear friends, the conflict is on. We see from this quotation how subtle and insidious is Satan's work in our lives. He is crafty and he is deceptive. He even poses as an angel of light. We are in a battle. We must take the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. We must dress ourselves in the armor, pray for God's help, and then go out to victory. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E, 
ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.